Hey, what's up, y'all? What up? What up? We are back for episode two of the Black Rewatchables. Black Rewatchables. Let's go. So, first and foremost, before we get into this episode, we got to do an addendum to episode one. <laughs> formal apology time. A uh, formal apology to the beloved John Amos, who we threw out a RIP for and is uh, not dead. Shout out to John Amos for not being dead. <laughs> You're welcome to come on the show anytime you want and yell at us for uh, saying you were dead. But uh, he is quite alive. So, uh, many more years to you, John Amos. Shout out to Twitter. I was on Twitter. And I just happened to see a tweet. Somebody tweeted about John Amos being at the Giants game. And I was like, oh, snap. (laughs) So. (laughs) There's that. Our bad, John Amos. Our bad. (laughs) But I'm super excited. Ready for this episode. Episode two. We are doing the classic black cartoon, Bebe's Kids. Bebe's Kids. It started in the mind of an offbeat comedian. We Bebe's Kids. We don't die, we! One thing I want to note before we even get started, something that I did not know. This is the first movie, animated movie, with an all-black cast. I believe that. I definitely believe that, because in in my little bit of internet research, when I just Google African-American animated films, there were five. (laughs) <laughs> total <laughs> and this was absolutely the first one with all black cast because the only baby's kids came out in 1992 the only two that came out before that was disney's song of the south which came out in 1946 and i don't know who categorized that as a black movie on google but uh google y'all need to fix that because there is one black dude two white kids and a whole bunch of animated characters song of the south is not a black animated movie Second one is the very ridiculous Fritz the Cat that came out in 1972. If you've ever seen Fritz the Cat, oh my God. First of all, I'll put it this way. If you haven't seen it, it's rated X. What? So there's that. <laughs> super racist. I didn't see it. Yeah, don't. Yeah. And technically all the characters in the movie are animals so they are there are quite a few black voices in fritz the cat but it's not a black animated movie either so baby's kids is the original black animated movie and is totally worth doing this episode about because for me this is what paved the way for into the spider-verse which i love endlessly and is a fantastic movie and was on that very, very, very short list of black animated movies. So shout out to Bebe's Kids. Shout out to the creator, Robin Harris, who we know for sure is dead. <laughs> he wasn't even alive for this movie. Exactly. <laughs> so RIP, Robin Harris. Thank you for leaving us with a classic. Indeed. All right. So before we get started, we want to take a pause for our sponsor. Sponsor for episode two of the Black Rewatchables is brought to you by Lush Apparel. Lush Apparel's Melanin Goddess Collection is one of the very few online boutiques newly founded by a black female under the age of 18. Shout it out. The Melanin Goddess Collection, AKA the MG Collection, is full of trendy, inspirational clothing and shoes for, but not limited to, millennial women of color. Mm. 
Follow Lush on Instagram at official.lush.apparel or Facebook at Lush Apparels Collection for the latest sales, for information about the founder, and for more. Links to the website will be there as well. Make sure you follow Lush Apparel on all social media platforms. Shout it out. So let's jump right into the plot review. Okay. So we have Robin who is at a funeral, clowning around with some of his homeboys. See this fine, thick old Betty walking in there <laughs> with her all black on. He tries to holler. You know, she kind of gave him a little bit of play. And she's about to bounce on him. He say he need a ride because he don't got no car. So she gives him a ride home. Works out for him, resets up, a chance to see her the next day after she goes and picks up her son. So he's thinking he's about to be in there, get him a date, take her and his son out, probably do a little, you know, whatever, whatever. He's good. Lo and behold, next day he goes to pick up her and her son, and she got Bebe's kids. Three more kids. Three kids. These kids, straight hood. They're bad. Now he got to take all three of these kids. And the girl and her son to the park. So a lot of hilarity ensues. They get to the park. The kids go crazy. They start a riot. Uh, they commandeer a ship and ram that ship to another ship. You know, Robin Harris has some issues with his ex. She's at the park starting drama. You know how I be with baby mamas and exes and all that. <laughs> Finally gets out of the park. Takes baby's kids home, realizes how destitute their living situation is. So he feels bad. And then he proceeds to want to go back to get the kids. And uh, Jamaica's already there outside. She already picked up the kids. They was going to apologize. Everything's lovey-dovey. So they're going to take a ride to Vegas with, I believe he says, with 14 cents amongst <laughs> all of them. And then as they get to Vegas, the movie ends with Pee Wee. Literally pulling the plug on Las Vegas. As the people are running because they already recognize Bebe's kids. It's interesting because they don't actually say where they are. I assume it was Atlanta just from the traffic. (laughs) See, I figured it was L.A. for a couple reasons. A, also because of the traffic. True. But also he says something about Compton at some point, I believe. Mm. He says either you from Compton or I'm from Compton or something. And then... The fact that he was able to drive to Vegas in what seemed like a relatively short period of time, which I believe Vegas is only like four hours from L.A. That's fair. That's probably what it is. But That's 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 my guess. It doesn't really establish what we're going to be setting. All right. And Fun World's probably a knockoff of Disney World. So Yeah, that's true. I always forget, I straight up always forget about Disneyland. I just immediately think about Disney World in Florida. But I completely forget that it exists. To be honest, because we're East Coast people. Hey, shout out to the East Coast people. That's right. <laughs> Let's jump right into these categories, starting with most rewatchable scene. Now, this to me is a hands down slam dunk. But we're going to talk about some nominees anyway. So, my first nominee is <laughs> where Robin proceeds to sing the song "I'm Not Your Daddy" <laughs> and I ain't having it. <laughs> Love that scene. He's running around after the kids, and they're just being so bad and tearing up stuff and they're in the glass shop and he's trying to catch peewee and this whole song is narrating the whole time and it's just a really fun moment in the movie i only got two nominees one that i really care about another one's just like a 
I'm nominating out of I respect because I like the scene. So the first one I'm gonna do is one I like the beginning, which is him and the dudes trying to they like chit chatting and they see that fine chick in the corner. <laughs> it's just like a male moment. Mm-hmm. I just enjoy that scene, but I'll save my true rewatchable scene for my next character for the next one. <laughs> Fair enough. Next nominee for most rewatchable is I love the love boat scene <laughs> only because the unmistakable voice of Phil Perry. Now, I don't have a lot to give you. I ain't putting on no airs. But if you'll just let me be with you, love has been tears we can't share. See, it's I, so good. <laughs> that whole scene is just. I have Phil Perry written down for another category. Fair but... enough. Fair enough. That is understandable. But I, I just love that. And it also <laughs> reminds me that whenever there's like a cartoon interlude, even though it's a cartoon in a cartoon, but then anytime there's a cartoon interlude in the middle of a movie, it always makes me think of two other movies. One, Black Dynamite, which is a very rated R version of that love boat scene. <laughs> and two, the cartoon interlude they did in the first Kill Bill that I love so much with O'Rani She, which I think is one of my favorite cartoon movies in, in a movie ever um so i always love that gag uh whenever that happens and this one is just it's very cute and like i said as soon as full perry starts singing i mean he was gonna get the draws <laughs> fair enough shout out to phil perry <laughs> for sure all right my most watchable scene my true nominee is just the kid in me coming out because this movie came out while i was a child and that's why it, it plays to people of our age group it's just the whole full-on mutiny of the children. <laughs> From them uh, busting off the roller coaster or taking over the toys to fighting off the guys elected from the Matrix <laughs> to them taking over the ship. The whole mutiny, it was just like it brought up the child to me. It made me happy. I felt like a kid again while watching it. I love that part of the movie. That is my true nominee for most rewatchable scene for me. And I think that's a great scene just because, like, every kid has wanted to do that. Yes. How many times do you go somewhere with your parents at a public space and you got to follow the rules and stand in line and be good and you're not going to embarrass your mama in front of, you know, public people in public, so you always got to be on your best behavior. Sometimes you just want to wow out and have just a straight-up good time and just do whatever you want to do. So that that is definitely a super good scene in that movie. But... My number one nominee for most rewatchable scene is the Robin and Dorothea rip session. (laughs) (laughs) That scene, I can watch it a thousand times and I have, and it's always and still hilarious. I I have a hard time arguing with that. it's, it's, It's unmistakable to me. That that's the the most rewatchable scene because I literally watch it every and you can't not like even though I've seen this movie a thousand times there are part where I watch it and I just smile because I just enjoy the film I just enjoy what it means I enjoy what it stands for but that scene makes me audibly laugh every time <laughs> who doesn't love your mama jokes see I don't even want to say repeat none because like. I yeah. got like four of them in my best line. Yeah, it's going to be in best line. Category. So we'll just stick to the, the scene in general. But that's definitely my number one. Yeah. Uh, hard time with that. 
We're going to give, give that one the crown. But I do have an honorable mention. I wouldn't count as a nominee, but it's honorable mention just because I do enjoy this scene, what it stands for. And that's the scene of Robin dropping off the kids and just really realizing that they are neglected and he really does care about it. He's not a total douchebag, no matter how much he yells and complains about him. And that's just such a great scene in the movie. And I, I really love it. But yeah, number one, Robin and Dorothea go ham in the bathroom with the your mama jokes. And it's fantastic. Next category, best cameo. So now it's the cartoon, so I just went by a person I was surprised by seeing that they were the voice of someone in this movie. So mine's was Marcus Houston being the voice of Khalil. Right. I did not know that until a little bit of uh, internet research. So uh, I'm giving him the cameo. You know, shout out to Immature and IMAX. <laughs> Marcus Houston. Man, for me, I, I really think it's interesting because Marcus Houston is one of those people who, like, low-key has had a really long-standing career. And it's like, oh, like, everybody knows him. Like, as soon as you say Marcus Houston, they're like, oh, yeah, I know that dude. He was from Immature, IMX, Sister, Sister, you know, whatever you know him from, you remember him from it. I forgot about Sister, Sister. <laughs> like, you know him from somewhere. What's his name on that show? Mark, no, Roger. Oh, yeah, he was dorky at the little... little... Yeah, he was always bothering and stuff. Yeah, he was like their Urkel. Yeah, exactly. And that's who I was literally going to compare him to. I was was Steve Urkel because it was like, you know, so Jaleel White had a huge career because he was the star of that show. But Marcus Houston has had a really long standing career in the same era, you know, of Jaleel White. And shout out to his parents for keeping him, you know, booked and blessed. So my uh, nominee for best cameo is the human Robin Harris at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Because <laughs> I it's just such a, the, most of the time, whenever the movie is kind of based off of somebody, you know, they might have like a small cameo in there, you know, somewhere where they kind of walk by like the end of the pursuit of happiness, you know, and the real guy walks by at the end or, you know, uh, we were watching uh, Goosebumps and the real R.L. Stein walks by Jack Black at the end of that movie. So you kind of always have these like little homages. And of course, Stan Lee became the king of his own cameos in the whole MCU. But, uh, you know, for baby's kids that, you know, really given him a little bit of shine in the very beginning of the movie, say, listen, this is the dude that wrote it. This dude that created these characters, this is the dude that made this all possible and, you know, start out with his stand-up routine, I feel like is, is definitely the best cameo in the movie is just him as a human being. <laughs> Can't even argue that. Uh, I didn't realize how young he was when he passed. He was 36. Oh, wow. Just how old I am now. So that's, uh, you know, he had a heart attack right after a show, passed away, they found a room, and then they made this movie two, two whole years later, so, you know. He might not even know that they was making this movie. They might have, if anything, might have kind of known a little bit. But right. Yep. Can't argue that one either. Best cameo for sure. And I definitely think that's an interesting way to keep uh, somebody's you know legacy going because, like you said, I mean, it was two years after he was already gone that they decided to take these characters and make it a movie. So that would almost be like you know them trying to take the the bus driver character that Bernie Mac did the whole skit about in Kings of Comedy. 
and making that a character or a movie just to kind of keep you know his legacy going and, and keep his family paid. <laughs> but I don't think Robin Harris could have imagined the the cultural impact that this movie would have all these years later. And like you said, being the first black animated movie with a whole cast and just meaning so much to people our age. And, you know, I don't think they even knew that that was going to happen. So it's a great testament to his legacy for sure. So for Cassie Couch, the only thing I kind of thought of for that was, I was thinking about Vanessa Bell Calloway, because this is the early 90s. I was like, who else could have been in this movie? Either as Dorothea, which would be would be more hilarious <laughs> if this person played her. <laughs> or she could have even played um, the love interest. And my answer was Jennifer Lewis. <laughs> Jennifer Lewis was in this movie as either one of those two women. I would be here for that. Listen, my love for Jennifer Lewis is unending and deep as the ocean waters. She's fantastic. She can do no wrong. Any replacement of Jennifer Lewis in a movie is in green light for me. <laughs> for sure. I couldn't even, I just, I couldn't even. <laughs> That, that would be a great casting addition. It would be Jennifer Lewis. I, she well, I, she could she would have had to she would have to be Dorothea. She couldn't have been a love interest because she would just took over the movie because she is just over the top. If that was at her all making those, your your mama jokes, <laughs> it would have been even just ten times right. even better. Like I, I want to tweet Jennifer Lewis and be like, can you just read those lines and I can just dub it into that scene <laughs> for my own gratification? Oh my god, that was the person i thought of just for that i just thought she would be i just thought her humor and her voice would fit well in this movie i fully agree that's that's definitely uh that's definitely the the winner for the on viv casting couch because oh my gosh like yes but also shout out to vanessa bell calloway for being a constant from our first episode to the second she's on a running streak here <laughs> at the black room watchables and really just kind of staples you know her own credibility in the black classic society because i mean she's still working out here so she's she still working out here 30 years seriously her, her she's, she's another one with a really great and long-lasting career all right next category things white people probably missed what you got all right so the one was like it was some imagery what was it it was something that most people wouldn't see but there's a scene when the kids uh they jump off the roller coaster and they're all grabbing toys and the little black girl's going through all these white dolls just to find that one black doll and then she hugs it. Because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, we can't find our representation. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to search for our stuff. So that uh, it was a very small token scene that if I was not an African-American, I probably would have paid no attention to at all in this movie. But that was my first thing that I'm pretty sure my white friends would have missed. And definitely as a father to two black girls. It's like you know what it's like to have representation in the home. And it's funny because now in 2019, people are always talking about, oh, representation matters, representation matters. This movie came out in 92. Yeah. We were still trying to get representation back then. Being represented on the big screen is not a new issue, white people. <laughs> white people. So my nominee for things white people probably miss is kind of in the same vein is just the fact that Khalil is wearing a hoodie the entire movie. The entire movie, he's wearing a hoodie. 
that was something else that people like to bring up with Trayvon Martin. And it was like, oh, you know, he's wearing a hoodie. It means he's some kind of way or some kind of stereotype. No, we've been wearing hoodies, like, literally factual. All day. Every day. So, yeah. Once again, representation matters. The fact that the animators were like, we want to make these kids as relatable to other African-American kids as possible. Let's put this kid in a hoodie and a baseball hat because that's what we wear. That's what we like. That's representation. Another relatively non-funny one was just the fact that, you know, there are kids who live like this. Like, this is not new to children who grow up in the hood, so to speak. Like, there's people I know who from when we were kids, their parents had to leave them in the house all day. Because, mm-hmm. you know, some of them had issues, you know, where their parents were on drugs, like, you know, it's insinuated that baby is. But also, I know kids that their parents just was working. Right. Just so they could survive. And their kids was home all day. And barely had enough to eat. So, you know, including our own father. <laughs> so, you know, we've 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 seen this. Mm-hmm. And this is not something that is foreign to, to our people. Absolutely. Every character in this movie either had big lips, <laughs> big hips, or a big nose. <laughs> Because it's almost a guarantee that you got one of those three in real life. All the features. All the features. And a little side note to that is just a shout out to Robin Harris's hair part. (laughs) (laughs) Which was mad crisp. (laughs) He got his hair lined up for his date. But those are just, those are literally things that just. He also had that Eddie Murphy bottom lip. (laughs) He did too. I was wondering if you wrote that down. Pink lips, two episodes in the road, man. I definitely was like, he's going right down Robin Harris's bottom lip. <laughs> but hey, those things, white people probably Gotta miss. keep them moist, yo. Gotta keep them moist. <laughs> All right, let's get to the heavyweight champion of the categories for this movie. Oh, man. Best line. All right. No lie, I think I have at least eight to nine lines on here. <laughs> Alright, first one, I'm going to start with the ones that aren't true, strong categories, but I, I still laughed audibly when I heard it. She said, I'd like to see something that fit me. Me too. Let's <laughs> <laughs> talk about the chick going to uh, the Lane Bryant. Lane Bryant. So, that had me, I definitely uh, bowled over for a second it's on fantastic. that fantastic. My next one is, <laughs> and you have to remember, he's at this man's funeral. He's at Walter's funeral. And he says, Walter was so cheap he wouldn't spend a lovely evening. <laughs> hey, this man is in the grave. How are you going to diss him at his funeral? This one is not a funny line, but it's just a line that I've always remembered because, like you said, I watched it as a kid. It said, We baby kids, we don't die, we multiply. It's just a classic line from this movie. If you are a person who watched Baby's Kids a bunch of times as a child, it was just like the posse moment. Indeed. Uh, that's just like a, it, it, it has to be mentioned in this category. For sure, for sure. Also, one of mine is not a top contender, but I still think it's funny. He said, if you're going to fight, don't fight fair. Grab a brick. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking to children. Yeah. Savage. Well, the, uh, excellent advice there, Robert. <laughs> All right, my next one is beauty is only skin deep. Yeah, but ugly is to the bone. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and then, like, 
man. She came up. He's drunk the whole movie. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> that is absolutely... Like, I put a big, big, dark star beside it. Yes. It's so good. It's, it's so timing. good. It's the way he says it. Everything about that line is perfect. So, it's, I, I just... It's great. It's great, period. <laughs> My next one is in the classic bathroom scene. The first thing he says, your mama's so old, she was there on the first day of slavery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also wrote that one. <laughs> <laughs> we always talk about 400 years, we were slaves. <laughs> talk about your mama is a minimum of 400 years old disrespectful so my next line is after robin harris proceeds to take the children back to their house he's walking in their uh, decrepit home and he begin. he says trying to call hell from here would be a local call <laughs> <laughs> that was also the last one i wrote down to you that's so savage super even. savage I don't know. I, I think I gotta give best line to Beauty's Only Skin Deep. <laughs> I love that line. But ugly is to the bone. He said that like it was black scripture. Yeah, I I, I, def- I forgot about that line. I honestly and it, it made me audibly black. <laughs> My two shout out lines that I also wrote down were uh, lips so big chapstick had to make a spray. <laughs> <laughs> Which is racist and hilarious. And he said, little boy asked him, where are we going next? He said, I'll take you to the snake pit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just hilarious because he said to a child. Right. Which they never actually address how old these kids are, but we assume they're all under 12. So. Yeah. The little girl, like she might be in middle school at most, maybe. Right. Everybody else looks young. And I'm being generous there. Who you got? Who's your, who's your winner for best line? Uh, beauty's only skin deep. My ugliest <laughs> to the, the bone. bone. Like, everything about the way it's said, it's it's it's, fu- it's the funniest line in this movie. It definitely is. It's um, uh, I can't say anything else. So, yeah, that's that's the winner. I, I I definitely agree. All right, we're going to take a quick pause for our sponsor. As we said before, this week's episode is sponsored by Lush Apparel. Listen, y'all. We always talk about supporting black business. We always talk about supporting our youth. This is a way you can do both at the same time. Check out Lush Apparel. This is a unique online boutique founded by a black female under the age of 18. Young entrepreneur. This is the Melanin Goddess Collection, AKA the MG Collection. It is full of trendy, inspirational clothing and shoes for, but not limited to, the millennial woman of color. Listen, if y'all listening to the Black Rewatchables, I'm just gonna assume you're a millennial woman of color. (laughs) Or a millennial man of color, trying to find something for his beautiful millennial woman of color. So if you're looking for something unique, trendy, and different to get your friends, your spouse, your coworker, your mommy, your sister, whoever, Follow Lush on Instagram at official.lush.apparel or Facebook at Lush Apparels. You will not be disappointed. Shout out to Young Black Ownership. Let's move on to the next category, general stuff. All right. So 
I had a question. Is just why is this small child walking around with a knife? <laughs> he got like a machete in his pocket at all times. I mean, we see where he lived. When they pulled yeah. into the house, people were stealing stuff out of their building. Yeah, it's, it's like that was a a noted point for me. I too have a question. Since the characters all sing, is this a musical? See, I don't, no, because I don't consider any cartoon movies a musical. So they just happen to have songs. The, never, Little Mermaid and Lion King; those aren't musicals. No, there there are musical plays, but I don't view the movies as musicals. I never had that's just not. I've never viewed them in that, in that light. I think there could be a case to be made. Not a strong case, but there could be a case to be made. Because they do. it's not like the songs are playing in the background. They are actually singing in the movie. But, I don't know. It's just a random question. Anyway, general stuff. Alright. Uh, so, K- Khalil punches out a robot. And then during the trial scene, they're literally about to murder this <laughs> yes. They have an electric cap on his head. And the robot is holding two wires like he's about to zap him if they find him guilty. Like, I have a say they written out in capital letters. Like, this is murder. <laughs> like, yo, he punched out a robot. Is that a capital offense? Like, I... and 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 really, they're going to murder this kid under an amusement park without a lawyer or parental supervision. You walk into the amusement park with your kid, you walk out without him. Cause you murdered him. <laughs> How does this work? And that that will that will be some of that will be brought up in the next category for me, but for sure. Other general stuff. So just curious, why Robin agreed to take this girl and her kid to the amusement park on the first date? Because she was fine. He had to step it up. You try to get them draws. That's too, that is too much. Even if you going to Kennywood, listen, Kennywood nowadays, $45 a person plus snacks and drinks and God forbid they want to play a game or get ice cream. In no way am I dropping that kind of money on a first date. I mean, I'm not saying I would do it, but I'm just saying that that is strictly penis talk. <laughs> He probably felt like she was out of his league a little bit. He's like, I got to bring my A game. You know, put it, you know, I got to go over the top so I can get these draws. Yeah, so that might be the case, but he's doing the most. <laughs> no argument here on that one. For sure. Alrighty, let's move into our next category. What's aged the best and what's aged the worst? So what's aged the best for me is easy almost. Just the overall message about black life in general. For sure. To see a movie that is 30 years old, how it portrays these children who are profiled from the second they get out Mm -hmm. of the car by these white agents, um, to their living conditions, to what they have to overcome. Mm -hmm. uh, The the various subtle images that you see... um, that has aged flawlessly. Like the the, the, the message of Black Life is his message. That spot on. Spot on. Spot on. What of mine is kind of in in the same vein as that, but the police brutality. 
yeah is dropped throughout this movie yes <laughs> like in, in jokes about it he jokes about the it kids in the park the yeah. kids in the park and then when even when they're in the parking lot the, the little you know rent a cop dude is trying to get at them and they're making faces at them and it's just then the actual agents in the park it's just the the things that we have to go through as black people in black life and dealing with authorities is just still a timeless and definitely has aged you know along with the rest of us with this movie unfortunately I don't think we even have any other contenders for best. That is, that one was very strong. Yeah. In terms so, of the worst, the first one I have is some of the songs sound <laughs> hilariously dated. <laughs> I mean, it is very clearly early '90s music, and it's not even like good early '90s music. Yeah, some no. Of it, some of the some of the kid raps and some of that is it's pretty bad. It's very TV jingle hip hop. Yes. <laughs> It's a little rough. Yeah, same with the animation. I mean, it's very... I mean, there are people who can make better movies than this on their iPhones nowadays. Like, the animation is pretty rough. Uh, Yeah, so another uh, small contender, even though it's definitely not going to be police brutality and black life, is... But along with that, really, one of the things that's aged the best is just... I love all the names. LaShawn, Khalil, Jamika, Leon, Dorothea. Like... I love all of these names. Like this, it's just so classic black. Like, just fantastic. Like there wasn't no Rudys and Theos and Lisas and like, <laughs> cornball corn names. Like they all had very ethnic they names. They even joke about it because when they go to the park and they go to look for name tags, they can't find none of their names. Absolutely. Which is uh something that my my youngest daughter is doing. Her name isn't even all that all that different. But, right. You know, I had one more thing that aged the worst. Okay. Which is the fact that these kids are walking around the park unsupervised. Oh like, my god. Like <laughs> they're not even teenagers. Oh uh, yeah, like I mean, it was. I, I understand kids had a little bit more freedom uh, growing up, um, but this is a, a very large amusement park. These kids, there's a baby. There one is a baby. Like they're just rolling around, like <laughs> still in diapers. Yeah, like they're just roaming through the whole park completely unsupervised. So that's. Uh, that would not fly in 2019. Yeah, no, that definitely wouldn't happen at all. All right, so next category. What is the blackest thing that happened in the movie? So, this movie itself is just black. It black. Blackity black. Black, black, black. Everything the whole, everything about this movie is black. The blackest moment for me was a little too early. Is a random Phil Perry R&B <laughs> When they're on the boat, like... Because that would not happen in a white movie. I, I have quite a few white friends. I don't think none of my white friends have ever even heard of the name Phil Perry. Factual. I would bet a lot of money on this. White but people, the, get at us if you know who Phil Perry is without yes. Googling it and without asking a black friend. As soon as I heard his voice, I was like, oh, that's Phil Perry. I was like... <laughs> especially if it's that time era, you know, it's either Phil Perry... Shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Peebo Bryson. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Peebo. Couple other dudes. Of Freddie. That. Uh, Freddie Jackson, you know what I'm saying? There's a couple of those niggas, you know what I'm saying? They, that was their era. That was their run. So that was the blackest thing that happened in this movie. It was just a random Phil Perry song <laughs> to set the mood. I've got a couple of nominees for blackest thing to happen in the movie. One you already alluded to was trying to find your name on a personalized gift. Now, our parents gave us pretty basic names. But a good majority of everybody we know, including our little sister... Has a heck of a time 
try to find their name on personalized gifts. So that is truly a black thing that happens. Yes. Other thing that I wrote down was Bebe giving three kids $20 to go all day to the amusement park. <laughs> Sis, three kids, $20? Even even if you're going at 1992, you know what I'm saying, with inflation. No. $20 ain't hitting. And when they got to the park, it was $35 just to get in. You gave three kids $20. <laughs> what was that going to do? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. As Robin said, that ain't even enough gas for my car. Come on, sis. You know that's black for sure. Other nominee I have is living in a neighborhood without pizza delivery. <laughs> he don't come here no more. Man, pizza man ain't come to art. Now, we didn't even live in a bad area growing up. He just didn't come there. There was no pizza place that delivered to our house. We was like, yo. That's why we got stuff with Pizza Hut all the time. Because I saw my mom buy. Right, and they didn't even deliver. We had to go get it. No shout-outs to pizza places on the north side. I, I bet you that's a thing that white people don't even think about. It don't even cross their mind that poli- that pizza delivery not coming to their house. Facts. Like, that's, that's not ever a thing they probably ever thought of. I'm pretty sure this is a broad and untrue statement. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm pretty sure every white person has lived in a neighborhood where pizza was able to be delivered to their house. At least those that live in either suburban or inner city white neighborhoods. Now, if you live in a, on a farm or something. <laughs> right, yeah. Now, if you live in a rural those, area. Those niggas ain't listening to this podcast anyway. And they ain't eating pizza. They eat, you know, carrots and stuff. That is racist. <laughs> racist. The last thing I have for the blackest thing in the movie is just words that you would not hear in other movies. Random words. Ashy. Yes. Crackhead. Yes. Social worker. Yes. Pinochle. Yes. Dominoes. Yes. Dolomite. Yes. Freeze tag. Yes. Perm. Yes. High top fade. Yes. Press on toenails. All that. All of these things. That's just us. We own it. We claim it. This is our culture. That's for us. Bam. Next one. Biggest over actor. This is a no-brainer. It's Robin. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's Robin. Period. His, his anger reminds me of black men everywhere. That I <laughs> right. Life. Angry about everything. Angry at baby mamas or, or ex-wives. <laughs> Angry at bad kids. Angry sitting at a bar. Angry at a bar. Angry about life. <laughs> Ripping on people. Like, it's... This is... There's no one else even in this discussion. It's Robin. It's straight up Robin. It's, nothing else needs to be said. Next category. <laughs> I can't even make a case for anybody. Right. It's Robin, period. So, next category. Who won the movie? This I, one is interesting. I'm going to see what you're going to state the case we, for. We both just picked up our papers and tapped them like news anchors. Because I, I definitely I have two what I feel... Or, or, or strong candidates for who won the movie. All right. How many do you have? I only have one. Okay, you only have one. You say you're one. I have two. You got to do your two because I only have one to counteract. Oh, my two. God. Okay, so my first nominee for who won the movie is Leon. Leon goes from being the punk mama's boy getting picked on 
to really being the hero of the movie who's able to impress these badass baby's kids. Like, he's the one that's really winning at the end of the day because more than likely, he's going to be the one to end up with a daddy. So, I feel like <laughs> Leon won the movie. Fair enough. Okay. This is your other person. Oh, my other winner is Bebe. Bebe won this movie. Listen, let me tell you why. First of all, she got a whole day without her three badass kids. She knows her kids are bad. She had a whole day without them. Presumably a Saturday. She didn't have to. She had to pay nobody. Jamika was watching them for frizzle. Then they got to go to an amusement park, so she ain't got to take her kids to the amusement park for the rest of the year. Because you know we only go once a year. That's already taken care of. The kids already got taken there, and they got fed while they was there. So she ain't got to bring no food home. And Robin gave them money when he brought them back to the house, so she ain't got to bring nothing home for them. And she got the movie named after her. The movie is called Bebe's Kids. Bebe won this movie. All right. So my answer actually agrees with your first answer. Leon won this movie. <laughs> for many of the reasons that you identified. He starts out as the dork. He gets He's literally getting beat up by these other kids. He don't want to be around them. Yeah, at one point, he's like begging on his mom to get on the love boat with them. I heard cock blocking. Straight cock blocking. He gets slapped. And then by the end of the movie, yo, you know what I mean? He didn't kiss the girl. He got everybody's respect. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, he won this movie. And as as a someone who was a young dork himself, I related to his story. Because, you know, we, we grew up in a black neighborhood, but we didn't grow up in the hood. Mm-hmm. But, we you know, we were around people from the hood. So we all, I always was the dork. I was always around true hood people. So, you know, I had to earn respect. So I related to his story. He's a winner. He won. He got the girl. He got the respect. He got, as you mentioned, a potential daddy. Leon won this movie. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to agree because I feel the same way. And it's funny, too, a point that you brought out that even though Leon and Jamika didn't live where Bebe lived. They still had to live close enough that they would babysit Bebe's kids. So it was like, they didn't live in the hood. They they didn't live in Northview Heights. But they lived off Parisville. (laughs) Shout out to all my Northside people. Yes. (laughs) We would give another example, but we don't mess with other sides of town. (laughs) Northside versus everybody. But yeah, for sure, I, I'll definitely, I'll definitely give you that one. And it's, but my other case for Bebe is that they mentioned her name more than anyone else in this movie, and she ain't even in the movie. Come on, son. I feel like it's a strong case. It's a strong case, but it's Leon. It's Leon for sure. <laughs> All right. Lastly, we got internet says just random internet research. We already touched on a few things. Yep. Uh, first one I mentioned at the beginning. It's the first all-black animated movie. My other one that I found of interesting note was the animator who worked on this movie. Also worked on Space Jam. Nice. The Proud Family. Nice. Emperor's New Groove. Oh, yes. Tarzan. Mm. And Princess and the Frog. So shout out to... That guy. To that guy. (laughs) That's definitely an impressive list for sure. My uh, fact that I thought was interesting is that this movie is 30% rotten by critics on Rotten Tomatoes, but 74% fresh from the audience. Yep. 
So that to me always says, okay, yeah, we understand that there's things that don't make sense. Yeah, there's plot holes. Yeah, the animation isn't that great. So critics are going to tear it apart and say whatever you want to say. But that 74% fresh by audience just lets you know the impact and the cultural greatness that we appreciate about Bebe's Kids and why it is a certified black classic. Amen. I also wrote down that note about the about the audience score and the Rotten Tomatoes number. My other note was, you know, since Robin Harris did in fact die before this movie was made, just a shout out to Faison Love. For sure. Who is the voice of him. And even when you watch the movie, when you hear Robin Harris actually speaking at the beginning, you could not tell that, that was a different person voicing mm-hmm. his cartoon character to me. Even after knowing it was a different person. Mm-hmm. And all these years growing up, I didn't even know Robin Harris had died before the movie was made. So I thought it actually was Robin Harris voicing uh, his cartoon character. So uh, just researching the fact that it was Faison Love who was his voice in this in this movie. And he did a spot on job. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing is like such a talent to be able to bring somebody else's character to life that was based on them and to sound like him and bring that same hilarious amount of anger and you know still have a tenderness to it and it was just so good definitely agree super shout out to phase on love amazing job so the last thing i just want to say about this movie is just what it really means like to me and one of the reasons why i absolutely wanted to do this for one of the black rewatchables episodes and a lot of things that we already covered um you know just the cultural impact you know it being an all black cast, we talked about representation. And it's funny because my nieces had a whole bunch of books the other day, and so many of their books have black images on them. And it wasn't like they were, you know, assigned. These are just books that they picked up from the library. And I was just like, listen, I was a library kid. I was in the library every day. Every day I was in the library. And in no way did I see that many books with black kids on it. Like if you saw a book that had a black kid on it, it, it looked like it was glowing, had the halo of God around it. Like, oh, it was like, it was that rare to see. And so when Bebe's Kids came out, it was such a breath of fresh air to see these black kids in a movie. Like, that's really what made it stand out so much. And that's what made it so special and why I will always hold a place in my heart. And if I have kids of my own, I'm going to sit them down. They're going to watch Baby's Kids. They're probably going to think it's ancient and terrible. We're going to watch it anyway because I said so. <laughs> but, no, but real talk, though. It really is a great movie. I just It just will always hold a place in my heart. And if I see it, I just, I'm just i going to turn it on and I'm going to enjoy it and laugh. And like I said, I spent most of the movie just smiling. Just just enjoying the movie for what it was. It just holds a special place in my heart. Amen. I concur with all of that. My only, my only concluding thought was really a question. It was something I was thinking of during the movie. And I was like, if this movie is made now, it's either... It's, it's in the opposite direction on both ends of the spectrum. This movie's like right down the middle. It's like adult humor, but it was still just friendly enough for kids to... A little bit older. I wouldn't show like no four-year-olds this, but like... Right. You know, we were a little bit closer to 10 or around that age. Inappropriate PG-13 yeah, movie. It was, it was just enough for us to be, to be able to watch it and be okay. If this movie's made now, it's either 
not made at all, or it's like some super PG version, or it's like a highly raunchy Netflix movie that's basically straight for adults. Right. There's no middle. This movie kind of played the middle almost perfectly, where it was just raunchy enough to be funny to an adult. It has a lot of adult humor, but like the little lines that I remember as a kid, like we don't die, we don't multiply, and the kids, you know, running amok and all this stuff that kids like. Um, so, I mean, it was really a shout out to the writers and the creative team to be able to balance that. Mm-hmm. There's no cussing in this movie. Right. Um, there's no violence. There's no, no real violence. There's no, no real violence other than uh, him punching a robot. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, um, you know, there's, there's subtle aspects that were well done that don't get played up in a movie like this. But I wanted to shout those out because I don't think this movie can... I think this movie is not made in the same way in 2019. For sure. And for all those reasons and more, it is truly a black classic and completely worthy of being on the black rewatchables. Shout out Bebe's kids. Shout out to Bebe's kids. So that's it for us. We appreciate y'all listening in. We appreciate all the feedback from episode one. Yes. We're yes. so glad you guys enjoyed it. Thank you for hanging in with us. Hopefully you enjoy episode two, episode three, coming right up. <laughs>